Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Lizzie Barron, and this past November, I attended the Parkland Institute's fall conference entitled Doing Democracy Better, Challenging the Politics of Fear and Resentment, in order to share some of the talks with our Terra Informa listeners. The Parkland Institute is a research center within the University of Alberta's Faculty of Arts, and via their About page, the Parkland Institute studies, quote, economic, social, cultural, and political issues facing Albertans and Canadians using the perspective of political economy, end quote. Such research generally connects to the following three themes, strengthening Alberta's democracy, envisioning Alberta's economic future, and investing in public services and strong communities. The November conference certainly grappled with such themes with a particular emphasis on strengthening and building an inclusive democracy here in Alberta and beyond, despite multiple interacting crises such as the COVID-19 pandemic, far-right populism worldwide, and the climate crisis. This week, and over the course of upcoming episodes, I will be bringing you a condensed version of a talk and or panel from the event. For further listening and doing, I would absolutely recommend checking out the Parkland Institute's YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes of this episode. Today's episode features a talk given by Parkland Institute Research Manager Ian Hussey on November 20th, 2022, entitled Job Creation or Job Loss. Big companies use tax cut to automate away jobs in the oil sands. From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Treaty 6 territory in Amiskwitzi, Wiskigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papa's Chase Cree territory. The Papa's Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. This show was produced in Treaty 7 territory, the traditional territories of the Nitsipi from the Blackfoot Confederacy, including the Siksika, Bigani, and Gainai Nations, the IRA Nakoda of the Chiniki Bearspaw and Wesley Nations, and the Dene of the Tsutsina Nation. Southern Alberta is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. At the confluence of the Bow and Elbow Rivers, this site was called Mokinsis by the Blackfoot and is more recently called the City of Calgary. Not confined to history, these regions are also the present homelands of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you're on. A quick disclaimer before we begin. This audio was taped using a field recorder in a lecture theater, so the audio quality is not ideal, so we apologize for that. We hope you enjoy the talk nonetheless. Without further ado, here is Ian Hussey at the Parkland Institute's 2022 Fall Conference. Ian Hussey, 
began uh, his work as a research manager at the University of Alberta's Parkland Institute in 2014, and he earned a career appointment in 2019. He's a steering committee member of the Corporate Mapping Project, a seven-year initiative supported by the Social Science and Humanities Research Council of Canada, and focused on the oil, gas, and coal industries in Western Canada. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, yeah, so my name is Ian. I work at the Parkland Institute. Uh, I mostly work on uh, things to do with fossil fuels or climate policy, but I also write on, on minimum wage. Uh, the last number of years, I've uh, done work on the largest uh, oil companies in Alberta, and that's what I'm going to start talking about today. Uh, we just published a report by the same name. Or job loss, uh, big companies use tax cuts to automate away jobs in the oil industry. Uh, so I'm going to talk a bit about the corporate tax giveaway, uh, then I'll talk a bit about automation, and I'm going to end my presentation talking about um, the Alberta Federation of Labor recently published a report on creating new jobs in the energy industry as, as Alberta and Canada and the world uh, progress in the energy transition. So I'm going to talk about the, the AFL's job creation strategy for the energy industry at the end. Um, so uh, I'm sure everyone's aware, uh, United Conservative Party um, gave a lot of money to large profitable corporations. Uh, this, uh, what you might not be aware, because our 2019 election was a lot of bluster about the carbon tax and you know the federal government sucks and and that sort of. Um, angry populist rhetoric. But in fact, um, the corporate tax giveaway, the corporate tax cut, was the top priority of the United Conservative Party in their platform and in their, their election campaign in 2019. And they phrased it as the, the backbone of their, quote, job creation plan. Uh, so they sold this as a way to create jobs and boost the economy. Uh, what you may be aware of now is that's not actually what happened. Um, and one of the things we did in our report is uh, my, my buddy Tony Clark did a couple freedom of information requests to the government of Alberta uh, that he uh, shared with me. And those were to do with the corporate tax cut. And one of the pieces of information that we got from, from Tony's uh, freedom of information request was uh, a briefing document that uh, economists in the Alberta Treasury Branch of Finance in the government of Alberta um, did in advance of the UCP taking power. So it's a common thing um, in an election period, um, staff of the government, in this case a bunch of economists, um, they did research um, thinking like, okay, the UCP, they're leading in the polls, they may become the next government, therefore they will be our bosses as civil servants, we're going to do research on their policy platform, including a, a corporate tax cut. Um, and the advice that the Alberta Treasury Branch gave to the incoming government when they, the UCP formed government was actually their claims in their, in their platform were not based in uh, historical fact. They were not um, really based in economic theory. And it probably wasn't going to work out the way that they claimed in their election platform. Uh, the UCP ignored that advice, and they not only in instituted the corporate tax cut, they actually sped it up by, by more than twice as fast. Uh, they used the, the COVID pandemic as an excuse to uh, accelerate 
giving billions of dollars to uh, the largest corporations in our province. This, of course, uh, yeah, it costs a lot of money. Um, and, and part of the point that we make in, in our report is that money could have actually gone to public services. Um, so I'll talk about that a bit more um, later in my presentation. As you can see, I, I discovered PowerPoint's uh, designer function. I've got all these great designs <laughs> in my slides. Um, was not aware of that in previous years. Um, so, you know, one of the things I've been doing for Parkland for a number of years now is I've been researching the, the largest oil companies in Alberta. They also happen to be the largest industrial corporations in our province. Um, this was this led me to, to coin the term the big five oil sands companies. Um, those are Suncor, CNRL, Synovus, Imperial Oil, and Husky, Husky Energy. Uh, you may be aware that Synovus actually merged with Husky about a year ago. And so now we're talking about the big four, four, four corporations. These four companies operate 86% of uh, oil sands production in our province. Um, and that is about three and a half million barrels of oil a day. Um, so, um, some information about corporate taxes or not. Um, in Alberta, that's a real question of whether we, we get corporate tax revenue or we don't. Um, so these companies, in their annual reports, they spend a lot of time reading financial reports, um, which is a pretty nerdy thing to do, uh, but I, I actually get a kick out of it. Um, these companies actually say in their annual reports, these are not my own calculations, they state this explicitly, that as four companies, they calculate that they saved $4.5 billion over the four-year ECP term um, from this tax cut. And you may have heard this before, uh, this is not a I'm uh, not the only one who's done it this fact. You know, I believe probably the Alberta NDP has, the environmental movement has. Um, but one of the things that I did in my report that is adding information to the world is that's only like really part of the story. Because the way that corporate taxes work is if a company loses money in any given year, they can take that, that loss and actually reduce their taxes going forward into the future or they can actually use it to reduce the taxes they paid in, in previous years. So it isn't just about getting a tax handout. Uh, if they have a big loss, such as like when the oil prices crashed in 2014, or you know, the COVID pandemic happens, um, it's actually beneficial for them to lose even more money in 2020, because they get an even larger loss on their books for 2020, and they can use that to reduce their taxes going forward, or going back, if they have profitable years, the last couple years of the NDP government, 2018 and um, 17, um, these companies actually made a lot of money. Um, so they can reduce the taxes they have paid in those years. And so that's what I'm saying here. The big five all received a net income tax recovery. That means they actually got money from the income tax system. Um, so they got more money back from the tax system than they paid in. That's called a net income tax recovery. Um, so in 2019, as a group, these five companies got $2.6 billion over the tax system in excess of what they paid in. So they're making money off of taxes. Uh, in 2020, because of the large losses to do with the pandemic, they actually received $6.6 billion in one year through the tax system. Um, 
So, you know, they, they start making money in 2021. The average uh, price of Western, West Texas Intermediate, which is the North American uh, benchmark for oil, WTI, uh, was, was trading at about 68 bucks a barrel, which is a pretty good price. And these companies had net income taxes expenses of $5.2 billion. That means they paid $5.2 billion into the tax system in excess of what they, they might have recovered through the tax system. So over the first three years of the UCP government, uh, these companies actually received $4 billion more than they paid in taxes. They literally didn't pay any taxes. And in fact, made $4 billion bucks off the tax system. As you can imagine, you know, I don't think any, anyone in this room received that benefit through the tax system. Or, you know, unlikely. Um, so, you know, we have this great communications coordinator at Parkland, uh, Rita Braga, and um, she was able to take, uh, with, with our designer, Flavio Rojas, uh, able to take some of the, the research that I produced for my report, and so we produced some infographics for social media. This is one of them saying, like, hey, you know, these companies, they got a $4.3 billion tax giveaway. You know, what did they do? After the tax giveaway, they cut almost 3,500 jobs. And they cut that mostly through automation and through the merger of Husky and Synopus. Um, this is a, a longer point of view from the 2014 um, global oil price crash is why we start. Because 2014, when oil prices had been high from 2004 to 2014, there was a lot of construction in the oil industry, there was a lot of employment. Um, so 2014 was actually the peak of, of the employment in oil and gas in Canada and in Alberta. So that's why we start there. And as you can see, uh, over the last uh, seven or eight years, uh, the Alberta industry has lost uh, about 26,000 jobs. Uh, and in Canada, uh, the, the, the national number is about 41,000. And, and you can see the, the jobs are not really coming back, and, and that's um, why we talk about automation. Um, because the jobs are largely not coming back because these companies are accelerating automation. Automation in the oil and gas industry in Canada and Alberta specifically uh, has actually been uh, going on for about a decade, uh, a little bit more than a decade, and it was increased, it was, it was sped up in 2014, you have a global oil price crash, companies uh, ended up sacking uh, in 2015 and 16 a lot of their staff, a lot of their technical, very experienced, very skilled workers. Um, and many of those jobs didn't come back after they, these people were fired in 2015-16. Um, and then with COVID in 2020, these companies, particularly the leading four companies, used COVID as an excuse to accelerate automation even more, particularly remote technologies. And this could be anything from um, uh, being able to pay attention to the details of their facilities using a lot of sensors that generate data and, and, and then that data has been analyzed by advanced computing systems or artificial intelligence as not necessarily like a human person looking at the data. Um, or, you know, the more obvious example we, we kind of know about in Alberta is uh, driverless haul trucks. Trucks driven by robots, not, not by uh, human drivers. So there's hundreds of truck drivers who've lost their jobs. Um, and, you know, when companies do this, uh, you, you might imagine, uh, they're able to produce more oil or more gas, cut their costs, and they're able to therefore pay executives and shareholders more money. Um, and the way that they're cutting their costs is they're cutting jobs, obviously, um, but they're also increasing the efficiency of their operations through uh, advanced computing systems. Um, and, and the big four oil companies are working with technology companies that you have heard of 
AWS, Amazon Web Service. Uh, most of AWS's revenue is actually from technology. It's not from mailing you, you know, books in the mail or whatever. Uh, and, and Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft has a long-term contract with Suncor Energy to uh, increase digitalization of their, their uh, company. Uh, this is just a quick shout out to um, the complete collapse of capital spending in the oil and gas industry um, by the major oil companies, these four companies. So you start in 2014 again, this was the peak of uh, capital spending as well as jobs. These, these, uh, at the time, um, five companies uh, were spending about $31 billion in one year on capital spending. Uh, that could be to build bitumen mines, it could be to build uh, in situ uh, production, which is a different type of production than mining. Um, and then, you know, real crash because of uh, the, the price of oil in 15-16. There's a bit of uptick in, in 17 and 18, and that's largely because CNRL and Suncor were building their final mines. It might be the, the last mines of the oil industry, and, and that work was completed uh, at the end of 2018. Uh, and that's why, even in 2019, before COVID happened, you see a real drop in capital spending, because they're not spending billions of dollars building a, a bitumen mine. Um, and uh, one thing I will mention that I don't think is in my slides is the Alberta Energy Regulator actually forecast forward through 2020, you know, is the capital spending coming back? Uh, the answer is no. Um, in, in the oil sands, uh, the expectation is capital spending isn't going to be half of what it was, you know, in, in the 2010s. And in crude oil and natural gas, we're looking at about two-thirds of the spending that we had experienced historically. Um, and so the AER is not anticipating you know, an influx of capital spending. Um, so this is what I'm saying, you know, they, they cut jobs, they, they automate away uh, jobs, and the executives, the, the top paid executives of these four companies, uh, received a raise uh, in 2021 on average of about $2.35 million. Um, the average um, compensation of, of these four gentlemen is like 10 to $12 billion a year. Uh, interesting fact, not on my slide, in 2020, three of these four executives received uh, increased compensation in 2020. You think about how many people lost their jobs, uh, the fact that we're all struggling to pay our bills, well, three of the four of them received uh, increased compensation because of the value of their, their stock. Uh, they own stock in their companies, uh, and, and therefore, um, when that was paid to them on an annual basis, it had a certain value that was an increase in compensation for them. Um, if you've been around Alberta for a while, you may have heard of the old campaign of the Alberta Could campaign. Hey, if the Alberta government had more money, it could do X, Y, Z. Um, this is sort of the basis of this infographic, um, which is if Alberta had, you know, not given away $4.3 billion just to these four companies, and mind you, we're not talking about Shaw or Telus or the pipeline companies, all of whom are, are billion-dollar companies as well, we're just talking about these four companies. If Alberta had kept that money, um, uh, corporate tax revenue, we could have hired 10,000 uh, employees in critical areas. I'm talking about nurses, teachers, educational assistants, uh, people who work in long-term care facilities, um, you know, any number of other roles, uh, emergency medical responders. Um, but we didn't have that money. And we know our healthcare system and our ed education system is, is critically underfunded. We know that we need more staff, and therefore we need the public revenue to pay for that, right? Um, I 
want to end on this note, um, the Alberta Federation of Labor, which is uh, the provincial uh, body, uh, the, the largest uh, labor advocacy organization in Alberta, represents about 175,000 workers in the public and private sector. This could be healthcare workers, it could be workers that work in the energy industry. They recently published a really important study on the energy transition, how things are going, and how Alberta could actually uh, lean into the energy transition and, and create, in fact, more jobs than we had historically in the energy industry. And um, that's really important, and I wanted to share it with you today, and I'm happy to talk about this, because we need these propositional visions of like what could Alberta be, uh, where Alberta's gonna work, you know, many people are very concerned, uh, particularly people who work in the energy industry, about their future. You know, uh, I was recently at a conference and, and I spoke to um, Karen Capri, who's uh, Secretary-Treasurer of the Alberta Federation of Labor, and she was saying, yeah, you know, hey, I, I know a lot of people that work in energy, and they might have 10 years to retirement. They don't know, am I gonna get those 10 years of employment till I can retire? and you know, um, have a good life with, with my family after, after I'm done um, being a worker. Um, and so this is a, there's a lot of anxiety here. And so this is why it's so important the AFL has published this vision. And they're saying, um, you know, there's a lot of detail in the report, but I've sort of boiled it down to this one slide, that it is possible for us to create and sustain two, over 200,000 jobs in 2030 to 2050. Um, with um, some important investments um, and, and some important uh, rethinking about the energy industry and how do we diversify within the energy industry. And so I'll just run through this really quickly. I'm happy to talk about it further. I'm happy, you know, if, if you have a different vision of Alberta, happy to hear that too. Um, the, bone, the backbone of what they're saying is, listen, you know, right now, most of our oil and gas is being shipped to the states and it's being shipped for combustion. It's, it's used in power plants, it's used in uh, vehicles, uh, whatever. Um, what they're saying is we can shift from producing fuel for combustion to producing um, feedstock for material production. And what that means is carbon fiber, asphalt binding, uh, recyclable plastics, which is a, a petrochemical product, recyclable plastic. Um, this, uh, as well as the production of hydrogen, uh, if it's blue hydrogen, it's produced from natural gas using carbon capture. Um, it's going to require carbon capture utilization and storage. That's, that's a complex topic. Um, and the, the, the important thing that the AFL is putting forward is, of course, the future of the energy industry and the future of our economy is, is electrification. That means that in Canada and Alberta, we actually need to produce three times the amount of electricity we're, we're producing right now. And that's, that's a really big deal. It's, it's not going to be easy to do. Uh, it's going to require a bunch of money. It's going to require a bunch of skilled workers. Um, but if we were to do that, um, it actually allows all kinds of other things to happen, which I don't have time to get into. But um, happy to take a question about that. Hydrogen is a hot topic. Right now, um, green hydrogen, which is clean uh, fuel produced by renewable energy, um, is um, it's costly. And it's costly because of a technology called an electrolyzer. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, electrolyzer. How do you do in front of a room of people? Anyway, renewable energy, electrolyzer, green hydrogen. 
the electron sizers are, are quite expensive. It's anticipated that the price for those are going to fall over the next decade. So the AFL, is, as well as organizations like the International Energy Agency, are talking about hydrogen, they're talking about carbon capture. And right now, it's possible, given that we produce a bunch of natural gas, that we could have carbon capture with natural gas, we get a blue hydrogen, which is still uh, obviously based in fossil fuels, given it's uh, based in natural gas. Uh, sustainable aviation fuel is a new thing. There's a couple of ways to produce this, but the most obvious one is you use like canola oil, biofuel, to, to mix with jet fuel. Um, Suncor is already doing that. Uh, there's an indigenous group um, based in Treaty 7 around Calgary that has just proposed that they would like to produce biofuel um, to mix uh, with jet fuel, sustainable aviation fuel, to um, to sell that fuel to, 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 to airlines flying out of the Calgary airport. So that's an indigenous uh, business uh, proposition. Uh, a big part of what the AFL is talking about, and this is, this is really important, I don't want to take up too much time, I think I've been speaking for a while, is Alberta actually has a lot of potential for critical minerals and metals. This is like lithium and a bunch of other stuff that goes into electric vehicles and, and specifically batteries. And what the AFL is proposing is we shouldn't just like rip it and ship it kind of like we do with oil and gas. We should actually have a processing and manufacturing business in Alberta, like a midstream business where, yes, we would produce lithium and other critical minerals and metals, but we would actually process it here. We would add manufacturing jobs here. Of course, the AFL is proposing that those jobs would be unionized, so workers have the benefit of unionization. Um, and this would lead into us supplying batteries, not only for energy storage, but also for electric vehicle uh, charging stations or electric vehicles themselves. Obviously, a lot of those electric vehicles are going to be manufactured in Ontario. Like, we don't have a lot of that manufacturing. And then they, they have a plan for net zero buildings, which again, I'm happy to, to speak about. But just wanted to run through that quickly, and it might have been too fast, but again, happy to have this discussion uh, during the Q&A. So thank you. That's all the time we have for this week. I have been your host, Lizzie Barron. Thank you for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all our content is created by a team of volunteers. Thank you so much to the Parkland Institute for the Media Pass and for putting on the informative conference. And thank you so much to Ian Hussey for all the insights he shared that you just heard today. This episode was produced by me, Lizzie Barron. You can reach us for comments or questions via email at tara at cjsr.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Tara Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week right here on Tara Informa.